Parshat Noach, 5784. Again, this week, it's hard to really discuss anything without your minds being over in the land and the war that's happening. Last week, Parshat Vershit, I just felt led to sort of, you look into scripture and you, uh, you seek peace and wisdom and understanding for what's happening in the world these days. What other source of wisdom is there that you can do that? There is none. And there is a lot that is happening spiritually. There's a spiritual aspect of what is happening in the world today in many different places. Um, People are waking up. Some are being um, woken up spiritually, drawing closer to God. Some people are sinking deeper into their sleep, having even more blind eyes and deaf ears. It's becoming easy when, if you're tuned in and your eyes are open, to look out there in this world and see that there's spiritual forces behind a lot of this. The spiritual realm, right, working in our physical reality, we can only observe that indirectly, but you can only observe that indirectly if you have your spiritual eyes open. So that's the pathway I had in mind for this week to sort of follow up on last week, but from a bit of a different perspective. I want to talk about the evil forces that are at work in this world and what Scripture says to do about that, how to handle this, because the reflections of violence that we see in our world is attached to that world. It's just hard for us human beings to see it with our physical eyes. Turn to page 739 in your Tree of Life version. Page 739 is the beginning of the book of Job, actually, before we get to Parashat Noach. We're going to start in the book of Job, something many of us know very well. Job is tested of his allegiance to Adonai. He has some friends that try to be helpful. We've all read this book many times. Let's uh, take a look at um, chapter 1, verse 6. It's not as much about what happened to Job and his family as the participants in this story. Job chapter 1, verse 6 begins like this. One day, the sons of God came to present themselves before Adonai. And the Satan also came with them. Adonai said to the Satan, where have you come from? The Satan responded to Adonai and said, from roaming the earth and from walking on it. After that, he is, uh, challenges God about Job. He is allowed to go back down to the earth. And there are wicked men that kill his servants. There are natural disasters that kill his family. Job obviously is very uh, distraught, but Job did not sin or cast any reproach on God. And so after this, there's another meeting up in the heavenlies. Chapter 2, verse 1. Again, the day came when the sons of God, B'nai Elohim, this is 
Elohims, the sons of God here. That's what it is in the Hebrews, B'nai Ha-Elohim. Again, the day came when the sons of God came to present themselves before Adonai and the Satan also arriving among them to present himself before Adonai. Adonai said to him, where are you coming from? The Satan answered Adonai, from roaming the earth and walking on it. So from this, we can, you see this picture of a group of beings, the sons of God that can go in and out of the presence of God, just like Satan. But Satan not only leaves his presence, I'm not sure what that looks like, but he gets to the earth and is roaming on it. With that in mind, let's tackle Parshat Noach, shall we? Turn all the way back very near the beginning Parshat Noach is on page 7. It's Genesis chapter 6. Verse 9 is where Parshat Noach begins. I'm going to get a good clue from the beginning. Get a good look at the beginning of these evil forces. It started, of course, with the deceiver in Eden, but he just ratches it up from there. Um, we are actually going to back up a few verses into the very end of last week's Torah portion. Um, let's 6, verse 1. <clears throat> so, at the end of last week's Torah portion, Genesis chapter 6, it says this. Now, when humankind began to multiply on the face of the ground, and the daughters were born to them, then the sons of God, that's B'nai Elohim again, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were good, and they took for themselves wives, any they chose. Then Adonai said, my spirit will not remain with humankind forever, since they are flesh, so their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, Whenever the sons of God, the B'nai Ha'elohim, came to the daughters of men and gave birth to them, those were the mighty men of old, men of renown. Then Adonai saw that the wickedness of humankind was great on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil all the time. So Adonai regretted that he made humankind on earth and his heart was deeply pained. So Adonai said, I will wipe out humankind, whom I've created from the face of the ground, from humankind to livestock, crawling things, and flying creatures of the sky, because I regret that I made them. But Noah found favor in Adonai's eyes. That begins this week's Torah portion, Parashat Noah. These are the genealogies of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among his generation. Noah continually walked with God. Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was ruined because uh, ruined before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was ruined because all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. So we see that phrase again from the beginning of Job. We have 
these angelic beings of some sort, these sons of God that go in and out of the presence of God, along with Satan going in and out of the presence of God. That same description, B'nai Elohim, is here in Genesis chapter 6, having children with the daughters of men, which were called Nephilim, and this immediately resulted in wickedness um, all over the entire earth. Now, if you read in your Kumash, you're not really going to get that drawn out. Um, Jewish sources from about the Middle Ages until today tend to not to see it that way. Um, they became the, uh, just the worldview about good and evil became a little bit, you would call it, um, evil almost became an abstract idea rather than an actual being like a devil or a Satan running around. I believe some of that was probably due to the persecution of, by Christianity that their space in their heads theologically um, diverted from this very uh, metaphysical sort of mystical thought here that in chapter 6 there's some angelic beings coming down having children with human women and begetting these Nephilim giant people who are incredibly violent but that's how religious thought goes through the centuries. If we go back to Second Temple times, though, there was a lot of discussion about this. In the Second Temple times, there were sources like the Book of Enoch and the Book of Jubilees and a few others that discuss the Nephilim, they discuss the uh, sons of God, the Watchers, and have a a very developed tradition and story about what happens to these, their names, places they went, pacts and agreements they were involved with, very detailed, very interesting stuff. And these books, like the Book of Enoch, Book of Jubilees, and others, are a great peek into the minds of uh, the, those uh, people that were living during that time and what they had thought of. These were fallen angels who came and, and sowed perversion and violence into this world. Sort of, this is the chaff among the wheat, right? The Nephilim and their behavior infected the rest of mankind. This is the pattern of Satan. Finding ways to sow perversion and violence into the world. It began in the garden and here just a few chapters later, it's already to the point where he is spreading his seed physically, trying to um, destroy the creation. Sowing tares among the wheat. He is very much involved behind the scenes from our point of view, but he's very involved with this world. In Second Temple times, the brother of Yeshua wrote a letter warning of this very thing, and it references some of this thought of uh, Genesis chapter 6 and these angels not doing what they're supposed to be doing. This, of course, is the book of Jude, written by one of the brothers of Yeshua. Let's go over to that and take a look there. That's on page 1193 in your pew Bible. 
most other Bibles. It's right before the book of Revelation. Very short. Fits on a page in many Bibles. The book of Jude. I'm going to read it from the greeting, actually. It's only a handful of verses I was going to read. The book of Jude opens with a greeting. Judah, a slave of Yeshua, the Messiah, and the brother of Jacob, to those who are called, who are loved in God the Father, and kept safe for Yeshua the Messiah, may mercy and shalom, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Loved ones, though very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I find it necessary to write to you, urging you to contend for the faith that was once, for, once and for all handed down to the Kedoshim, the holy ones. For certain people have secretly slipped in, right? That's the tares and the wheat thing again. Certain people have secretly slipped in. Those who from long ago have been marked out for this judgment. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into indecency and deny our only master and Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Now I wish to remind you, though you have come to know all things, that the Lord, once having saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. There were some tares among the wheat. And the angels, who did not keep their own position of authority, but deserted their proper place, he has kept in everlasting shackles under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. It seems there's angels that were part of this tear, a small group that fell away. They're spiritual forces of wickedness. They have the ability to lay hold of men, making them capable of great evil. It's a partnership. You could think about it that way. We have a partnership with our creator. We follow Yeshua. Our hearts are for him. We get into what with the Holy Spirit. There's a partnership that we do to try to live righteously and show that uh, faith that we have. We have that partnership with the Spirit, with something good. There is a, uh, you see a reflection of that in evil, I believe. There are spiritual forces out there that can lay hold of certain men. We all, we all sin. We all have instincts and drives that when left unchecked, we sin much as we try not to, we have wicked lips that say things they shouldn't and eyes that look at things that they shouldn't. It's just hard. That's, that makes us sinful. It doesn't make us evil. What makes somebody evil? Somebody that is capable of uh, such heartless violence, right? Such barbaric behavior that you can see out there today. You think to yourself, how does somebody get to that point? The spiritual forces of wickedness lay hold of certain men. Even those who excuse or downplay these barbaric acts are affected somehow by that same spiritual force that's out there, right? Ephesians chapter 6 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, wickedly, uh, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's, it's there, we can't see it, we don't really understand it, 
but we know that it is there. We know it has an effect on people. We struggle against these forces, but we need not fear them. This is where there is this realization, this dread that there's something out there. Sometimes it feels like, what do you, is there anything I can do about this? It seems almost impossible to fight something you don't understand and you can't see and seems to have some kind of supernatural ability to drive men to do such crazy, evil things. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. It's on page 928 in your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 8. Yeshua heals those with uh, Sarah, with leprosy here in in, uh, Matthew chapter 8. A little bit later, he he gets as the the storm, where he calms the storm. We're going to start in verse 28. The Tree of Life version has a little section header here called Freedom from Demons. Matthew 8.28 says, When he, Yeshua, came to the other side into the region of the Gardanias, uh, two demon-plagued men coming from the graveyard met him. They were so violent that no one could pass by that way, and they screamed, What's between you and us, Ben Elohim, talking to Yeshua? Have you come here to torment us before the appointed time? Now a large herd of pigs was feeding some distance away from them. The demons kept begging him, begging Yeshua, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he told them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the cliff into the sea and drowned. The herdsmen ran away, went into the town, and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-plagued men. The whole town came out to meet Yeshua, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Now, wasn't that sad that the death of the pigs probably was a great loss to their community, But it's sad to see when an opportunity arose for deliverance and healing that they were too grieved over their bank accounts to even see that. It's the interaction with the demons that should bring some comfort here. Have you come here to torment us before the appointed time, they cry. This lets us know that the demons recognize Yeshua as the one who is the judge over them and that they also anticipate the judgment. It's just that they're surprised that he's there early. It's like, what are you doing here so early? I still have 2,000 more years to be wreaking wickedness on the earth. So the demons are very well aware what they're doing, the time frame. Um, They're even aware of the end. This lets us know that even though the apostles believed that uh, they were living in that final generation, this interaction with the demons here gives us a hint that no, that wasn't going to happen because these demons seem rather shocked that Yeshua is on the scene as if he's on the scene way ahead of time. We struggle against these forces, but Yeshua does not. One who was a disciple who is walking with the Lord, has divine protection against these spiritual forces. 
we may still suffer physically. We all have health issues to varying degrees. Violence and bloodshed may fall on us. Job, a righteous man, had done, done nothing wrong, yet everything was taken from him. Strong winds, uh, violent men may still have an effect on us, but that's our physical bodies. Our souls belong to Yeshua. No spiritual forces can ever overcome this. Yes, we grieve the loss of life from the incredible acts of violence happening in Israel. We see how spiritual forces seem to enhance the wicked. It gives them some sort of boosted strength, the, the opposite of what the Holy Spirit is. It gives them resolve. We see people blinded by hate for the Jewish people, seemingly oblivious to all this. And that's frustrating. The media, constant excuses. They seem to be blind to the atrocities. Many governments, again, it makes you wonder, is, are they that blind or is that there has to be something attached to this? And I, we, when we have open eyes and ears and realize that in the same way that we're dwelt with the Holy Spirit, that we lean on the Lord for strength and for peace and for comfort, that there's also the evil forces alive very much working in this world. It's just at times we have to look for the uh, side effects to be able to see that. The spiritual darkness sure seems to run wild, freely, without restraint at times. This is the birth pangs of the Messiah. This is how we know the end is, is near. Every generation says this, the end is near. Because every generation has a birth pang of Messiah, something they look at that gives indication of such. Personally, I think if you look in the past several generations, there's more and more birth pangs happening more and more frequently. It's like the contractions are getting closer. Right? It's just too late for the epidural, so we're in this for the long haul. But we let us have peace in this. There's a psalm I felt very appropriate, even from our perspective, especially from the perspective of somebody living in Israel, and I thought I would like to close with this. It is Psalm 55 on page 657. Psalms. Chapter 55, the header of this one in the Tree of Life version is Betrayal by a Friend. Verse 1, for the music director on stringed instruments, a contemplative song of David. Give ear, O God, to my prayer and do not ignore my plea for help. Listen to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and moan because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked. For they thrust trouble on me, and in anger bear a grudge against me. My heart shudders within me, and terrors of death sweep over me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and find rest. Surely I would flee far away. I would stay in the wilderness. I would hurry to my shelter, 
from the rushing wind of the storm. Lord, confuse and confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they make the rounds on her walls. Iniquity and mischief are within her. Ruins are in her midst. Oppression and deceit never leave her square. For if it were an enemy taunting me, I could endure it. If my foe was, ex if my foe was exalting himself over me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like me, my companion and my close friend. Together, we enjoyed great fellowship. We used to walk with the throng in the house of God. Let desolation come upon them. Let them go down alive into Sheol, for evil is in their dwelling among them. As for me, I will call on God, and Adonai will save me. Evening, morning, and noon, I complain and moan. And then he hears my voice. He will redeem my soul in shalom and peace from the battle against me. For many are striving with me. God will hear and humble them. Yes, the enthroned one of old. Nothing changes. They do not fear God. My companion put forth his hands against those at peace with him as he violates his covenant. Smoother than butter was his speech, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on Adonai, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken, but you, O God, bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty, deceitful men will not live out half their days, but I, I will trust in you. When I read this, it was what many people have reported, how... On the one hand, there is a group of people that says that they want peace, and then in a split second, they are attacking and killing their children. But let us have peace in our hearts, knowing what lies ahead of us, knowing that we trust in him, he will sustain us. Let us have peace knowing that Yeshua will bring justice. They will flee in fear we will rejoice with tears of joy. Let us have peace knowing that there are spiritual forces that walk this earth cannot enter the dwelling of our hearts, that the spirit, the ruach, that fills that will not let them in. Let the Lord protect us, give us peace and calmness during these times. Maranatha, Lord Yeshua, come soon. Shabbat Shalom.